Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin with verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph. It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will, call, uh, they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now, I want you, to, if you don't mind writing in your Bibles, um, I want you to go to uh, verse 20. And in many translations of your Bible, specifically New King James Version, but in others, it says, the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. So if you don't mind writing your Bibles, it's in verse 20. Underline the word suddenly. Now we're going to skip to chapter 2. And I want you to go to verse 13. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared. Again, that word suddenly should be there in verse 13. Again, underline that word suddenly. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Now still in chapter 2, I want you to skip to verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Egypt, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that uh, Archelaus was uh, ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. You may be seated. You'll notice that uh, there are three words that I point out to you in each one of those different sections of Scripture having to deal with jo uh, Joseph. And that was that word, suddenly. Now, i got to tell you this morning, I'm not much of a planner. I am a spontaneous procrastinator. Uh, I come up with ideas, and then I want to execute those ideas as soon as possible. Uh, and uh, that is one of my weaknesses. 
Uh, and uh, anyone that's worked with me any, any, any matter of time knows that I'll just spring an idea up. Uh, when I was uh, a youth pastor for a lot of years, it was just me. I didn't really have to worry about anybody else. So it was okay for me two weeks to say I'm going to do an event in two weeks. Right? Because I planned it, did all the work by myself, you know, or with the help of my wife, even though that did cause some consternation in our marriage on occasion. Because she'd say, you planned up the whole month of September. What are we going to do with our family? Right? Because that's what a way I was. I was very spontaneous, and I didn't plan things out in advance. But there are other people who are planners. Right? Uh, my wife is a planner. She puts, we have this uh, family calendar in Google that she started. And I tell you, it's got everything on that calendar. And she's got it set up so I even get notifications of what she has on that calendar to remind me of what's coming up. She's got things, she plans things. And there are many of you, I'm sure, who are planners. And you, you begin to plan your months right out in advance. Kelly plans meals out in advance. So before she goes to the grocery store, she knows exactly what she's going to buy. Me, not so much. I go in the grocery store with a vague idea, and I come out with $500 worth of groceries and nothing that I needed, right? Uh, that's, just, that's just the way that, that I am because I, I, I get distracted when I'm in there, all the shiny stuff. I'm just not a planner. But if you are a planner, there's one thing that you do have in common is you hate people like me. If you're a planner, you don't like when people interrupt your plan. Right? When you're a planner, you have something worked out, and the way that you anticipate it to work out, your itinerary of how something's going to work out, you don't like it when someone like me comes in and crashes it and says, we're going to do something different. We're going to do it a different way. Many years ago, I went camping, and Mr. Pete's here so I can tell the story. We went on a camping trip with all the young men, and it was just a bunch of teenagers and me and Mr. Pete. I think Mr. Thomas went, Mr. Joey went. The rest, it was like 30 of us, and the rest were teenagers. We went camping, and Mr. Pete, if you don't know this yet, is a very planned person. This is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. I have been dealing with young people for a very long time, and I realized that hurting young people is like hurting cats. And so you got to be flexible with teenagers, okay? Which is probably why I was good at being a youth pastor, is I just flowed with it. Um, but with teenagers, they move very quickly from thing to thing, and they, they want to get into stuff. It's just the way that it is. But Mr. Pete had a plan. And unfortunately, I didn't exactly understand what his plan was all the way, and so uh, I didn't follow his plan. And so, like, the first night... Uh, he had things planned out, and the kids wanted to go play in the woods and play tag and stuff. And I said, go play tag. Have fun. Right? <laughs> and let them just go play in the woods. Right? Because that's what I did when I was a kid, and that's what I'd always, I always did. You know, I made sure they stayed in groups. You no know, one was by themselves. But go play. Have a good time. Right? Uh, we in the youth pastor business like to say, they babysit themselves. <laughs> Right? And then I was able to just sit by the fire and listen for screaming. As long as it wasn't screaming, I knew we were okay. Mr. Pete, who was very organized, unlike me, he was unhappy at the end of that camping trip because of my lack of organization. I, he had a plan, and I bombed his plan, right? Because he had a purpose. He had a plan. So 
when you have a plan and you've got it all worked out, you don't want someone to come in and mess up your plan. Now, in life, we have plans. And they set goals, and it's important to them. In fact, they could be life-altering goals. Ideas of what we want our future to be like. What school am I going to go to? What job am I going to have? What's going to be my career? Who's my spouse going to be? What's my marriage going to be like when I say I do? Right? What am I going to do with my awesome athleticism and health? What am I going to do? Right? I've got this all planned out. And then a monkey wrench is thrown into the works. There's that suddenly. Where everything that you and I had planned gets turned upside down because God has a different plan. And when God has a different plan than what our plan is, and he interrupts our lives with his plan, we have two options. Be obstinate and angry, become frustrated and mad, and believe that life has dealt us a bad hand and, and that it's unfair, and just give up. Or we relinquish control to God, be obedient and follow him regardless of the suddenly. Now Joseph is a perfect example of someone whose life was interrupted by that word, suddenly. He had it planned. He had a job. He was a carpenter. He was going to take a wife. He had a betrothed that was going to marry. He was going to marry, going to be his wife. He was planning their wedding. He was getting things set up. I mean, this was a long period of planning before they got married, this betrothal period, before they actually consummated the marriage. But during that betrothal period, God puts a wrench in the works. He shows up and he places his favor upon Mary and says that she's going to be father of the Messiah, or the mother of the Messiah. And that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and she's going to be pregnant without the help of a man. That God is going to do this. Now, that was shock enough for Mary, but now Joseph finds out without any forewarning, before he was told anything, he finds out that his wife-to-be is pregnant. Now, Joseph, we know, was a good dude because even after he found out she was pregnant, and in his mind there was only one way that that happened, some other dude, right, took his wife, his wife-to-be. And so, but instead of being married and angry and mad and bitter, uh, he sought to divorce her, to end the betrothment privately, so to spare her shame, to not make a spectacle of it, to spare her shame and misery. So we know that Joseph's a good dude. Because I don't know about you, but I would have been an unhappy camper, right? Uh, and, but he is a good man, and he decides that he wants to save her any public humiliation and embarrassment. So as he's, I'm sure, laying in bed one day feeling sorry for himself. He's there. He's feeling sorry for himself. I would be feeling sorry for myself. Here's this beautiful bride. She was supposed to be bound. We've been betrothed. I've spent all these weeks saving up money building resources so we can start our life together. That's what they did, is they would save and save and save to start their family. And uh, then all of a sudden, my plan's ruined. And on top of that, he, it's, no matter how he treated Mary, you know he was hurt and angry. Right? Because we're people. There's not one among us that would not be hurt and angry in that same situation. 
Just because you forgive doesn't mean you're not still hurt and angry. Right? Choose to do the, what's right. He's hurt, he's angry. And then God appears to him through an angel, and Gabriel shows up. And he says, Joseph, listen. Don't be upset, don't be mad. Because the child that's in Mary comes from God. The Holy Spirit has conceived the child inside of him. Now I'm sure Joseph, after getting over the shock of an angel standing there, now he's trying to process what in the world does this mean? <clears throat> because now this angel has said the child that's in her doesn't have a human father. It's God is the father. Yahweh is the father. Uh, and not only that, he's now supposed to take her still as his wife. But he's not to touch her. Right? So he's got this suddenly, where not only was his betrothed now pregnant with a child that physically is not his, but also now he cannot even consummate the marriage. So for nine months, he's now responsible for taking care of Mary and loving her and taking care of her and treating her just like his wife, as, as he should, as his wife. Uh, but his plan was ruined. Yet the Bible tells us there in, in chapter 1 that when, after the angel left, what did Joseph do? Joseph did exactly as the angel commanded. He took Mary as his wife, and he never touched her until the baby was born. And they named him, he named him, Joseph named him, Jesus. Now that's pretty amazing right there. That this man had his life interrupted, his plans interrupted, his future, his future interrupted by God in a way that wasn't the best possible circumstances. For the outside world looking in would know this child was not Joseph's. The math doesn't work out. Someone either did broke the you know broke the betrothment agreement before there was consummation, or Mary was messing around. Some you know what I'm saying? It was not an ideal situation. But he took upon himself that situation because he was a man of integrity who feared God and loved his his betrothed. And so he chose to be obedient to God, not just in the moment. But he chose to be obedient to God for the entire nine months that she was pregnant. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy for you and I to be obedient in the moment. Mm -hmm. But it's hard for us to hold on for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Right? It's easy for us to maybe get enough faith up, right, to be faithful and, uh, to God in the midst of trial and trouble and things not working out, uh, to last for a moment. A day, two days, maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe two months. But when you get to that three-month, four-month period, things change. And we get overwhelmed. I get overwhelmed. And it becomes harder and harder and harder and harder to hold on. Uh, you got, women may not understand that, but a man, he's watching his wife be pregnant, and it's not his. And he's watching his wife grow. It's not his. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He loves her. He wants to protect her. Mm -hmm. He wants to take care of her. But he's reminded every day, what? That child's not his. Now, maybe Joseph was a way better man than I am. 
because he was reminding himself all the time that, that God was the daddy, but I got to believe that there were times of insecurity. There had to be. He was human. Times of insecurity, times of doubt, mm -hmm. right? There had to be. As good as he was, he was still a man. Times of doubt, times of insecurity. But he still was obedient to God through the long haul. And that is what God is calling you and I to do, no matter what your plan was when you started out. Your plan was to work a job and progress in a certain way. And you had your life worked out where you were going to start here and then you were going to go full time and then you were going to get this raise and this. And you had it all worked out. But then your life was derailed because of something. You were laid off. You were fired. You know, something bad happened. You were injured so you could no longer keep that job. Right? Something that maybe wasn't, it's not your fault. This was not Joseph's fault. Right? It was something that you and I don't see as a good thing that derails our lives. And we don't know what to do. Maybe we got married. We said, I do. We said, this is going to be what our marriage is like. Oh, puppies and rainbows and flowers and butterflies. And we're going to love and honeymoon for the next 50 years. We have it all planned out. Except for me, I just was worried about the next day. But you got it planned out. And then your husband or your wife is not what you thought they were before you said, I do. Right? They're angry, they're bitter, they've got their baggage, and they're putting it on with your baggage. And now all of a sudden, your plan for this perfect marriage, it was going to be this great union of love and doing awesome things is suddenly challenged because of two human beings coming together who are imperfect. And our plans are derailed. Mm -hmm. Right? Our health. Things are going great and we're healthy and we're doing good. We've taken care of ourselves and then all of a sudden something awful happens. You've got cancer. Developed, you know, multiple sclerosis, MS, or something awful, right? And now what do you do? What am I going to do with my life, God? I had these great plans. Or your spouse or your family member comes down with a sickness or a disease that suddenly interrupts your plans, my plans. And our question is always, now what? Mm -hmm. Why? Joseph didn't ask God why. He was obedient. And that's what God is asking of you and I today, is to put aside our preconceived notions and our plans and be able to walk when he interrupts, when that suddenly shows up. And here's the thing with Joseph is he didn't have that suddenly moment just once. He had that suddenly moment three times. He got his faith worked extra hard. This first suddenly moment derailed his marriage, changed his whole marriage dynamic. Everything changed. The second happened. It's very interesting. He had gone to, uh, to you know, to, uh, to, to for the census into Bethlehem, and they stayed in Bethlehem. After Mary had the baby, they stayed there, and uh, they were there for uh, two years or so. And then these dudes show up, wise men come, and they bring gifts. They bring oil or frankincense and 
gold and myrrh and these precious valuables. And we kind of talked about before, uh, when they came, they didn't come with like you see in the, you know, the nativity scene. They didn't come with a handful. These were wise men. They came with a caravan. It wasn't just three of them, probably. It was a caravan of wise men and their servants and all that stuff. And they brought a lot of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But even after that happened, we know what happens. What, what happens? Herod gets angry, and he starts <coughs> killing all of the boys and within a certain age, infant to two or three years old. He's going to kill them all. And so now God shows up again to Joseph, not to Mary, to Joseph. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. It said, Joseph, you need to take everything that you have. Take Mary, take the boy. And I need you to flee to Egypt. Leave your country and go to Egypt until I tell you otherwise. So Joseph packed up all of his stuff. He packed up his wife. He packed up his child, Jesus. And he went to Egypt immediately. He got up right away and left. That suddenly interrupted his life. Now think about it, folks. He had already had one suddenly. Now he settles down in Bethlehem. He's all of a sudden rich. He's got gold or frankincense and myrrh. He's taken care of. Probably had more in his whole life, you know, as, as a carpenter. Um, and he's got all these things. And then all this, that good thing happens. That favor is dropped in his life. And then, boom, suddenly. See the pattern here? Suddenly. And now he has to leave everything. His home, everything they've acquired, their possessions. Pick up Mary and go. Pick up Jesus and go. Again, suddenly, Jesus, God, why can't I get a break here? I was obedient the first time. I didn't touch her. I took her as my wife. I was obedient. I was a man of integrity, right? I did everything the way I was supposed to do it, right? And then this great favor falls upon us as a family, right? And then this happens. We just got the house redecorated. <laughs> right? We, we, we just got, got everything ready and good and situated. And then Jesus has made friends. And he's, you know, he's toddling around. And we're a part of the community. And we've got friends here. And we, we've got our roots here. And now all of a sudden, here is wanting to kill our kid. And he's killing all these kids. And you want me to just get up and leave it all? <coughs> Give me a break, God. Come on. We do it. And what we do is we focus on the suddenly and we forget the favor. Wow. Because it was the favor in this instance that allowed Joseph to pick up his family and move to Egypt on a whim. Because he had gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Incredibly valuable at that time. He was able to take what was left and pick up his family and move to Egypt. That was favor. That was God's favor that was in his life and provided not for their entertainment, but for their provision. Mm -hmm. Why? Because God knew what was coming. The plan was for them to go to Egypt. And it was the plan was for them to go to Egypt. Why? To fulfill what the prophet said. Messiah would be driven or come out of Egypt. Right? God had it all lined up way back before Genesis, that this is the way it was supposed to work. So basically, Joseph is just a dude on God's, in God's plan. 
right? He's a chess piece being guided and moved and directed through events. And he had to be obedient. If he had not been obedient to God, what happens? Jesus dies. He could not protect himself. Mm -hmm. But of course, God knew who he had chosen. He had chosen <coughs> Joseph. He knew Joseph was a man of integrity and was going to be obedient, right? But Joseph had to still in his free will be obedient. He chose to be obedient, and he <coughs> left. Don't forget with obedience and what you're going through and things not working out the way that you think that they should. As we sang this morning, God is the way maker. But sometimes he provides the solution or the resources before the suddenly occurs. If we will open our eyes and realize it. There's a story about some, are they niece? What's the plural of moose? Is it moose? It's still, that's the plural? Okay. So there's mooses. That's just me saying that. Um, just because I want to aggravate Sister Nancy. Uh, so they're mooses, mooses. No, they're these moose that are uh, they they live in the uh, mountains, and uh, during the spring they come down and they eat, and I mean they gorge themselves, and it's eating during that time that causes their antlers, those big, beautiful rack of antlers, mm -hmm. to get strength and the nutrients that they need. They grow bigger, but they don't just grow bigger. They grow stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's during that season of favor, blessing, the springtime, where there's all of this beautiful grass and foliage to, to, to eat and be healthy and water. To, and they're strengthening their bodies, and they're strengthening those antlers, right? They're, 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 they're growing and they're getting stronger. Why? Because in the autumn, guess what happens? They fight. The males fight. They fight for territory. They fight for females. So it's during the spring that they prepare for the battle in the fall. Because in the fall, the foliage is not what it is in the spring. And there's not as readily available. And so what you eat in the fall or spring is what strengthens your weapons for the fall so that they can, the one that doesn't eat enough and satisfy themselves in the spring will always lose in the fall. So you and I got to recognize that God many times gives us favor in these good times so that in the bad times we're to carry that blessing with us to make it through and not forget about the favor. But we like to forget about the favor in the good times. Once we enter the bad times, and we discount what God has already done for us to help us get where we're at. Amen. Right? Mm -hmm. We forget what his blessing was. Wow. We forget his provision. We forget, I, I put it on a, a smaller terms. Uh, Kelly and I, uh, every time we really start to build up a savings, like a big savings outside of my retirement, just, you know, regular savings. Guess what happens? Something breaks. Every single time. Every time. We get a what I would consider a healthy amount in the savings account, and something breaks, and we got to go fix it. Now, I got to tell you, in my negative attitude, I say, man, God, why'd you let that happen to a brother? Right? Yeah, so what? The washing machine was 15 years old. <laughs> that joker should have lasted for another 15 years, 
right? Who cares if my water heater was, you know, 12 years old? It should have lasted even longer than 12 years, right? And so during that hard time, when that thing breaks, I'm mad. Kelly will tell you, I'm mad. Not a happy camper. I'm angry. Why did this have to happen? We just got this money saved up. Why did this have to happen? And we have to go right back. And then my wife, always the positive one, which is why we're still married, is she says, well, at least we had it. So that during the season of blessing, when everything was working the way it was supposed to, we were able to save so that in the season of trial, we were able to make it through the trial. Amen. Right? So in your life, what you're facing, take the favor, the season of blessing, and feed off of it, and nurture yourself off of it, draw strength from it, encouragement from it, as you make your way through that suddenly through the season of trial. Amen. Trial, when God when he allows it to happen in our lives to build our character, he's not going to let us be destroyed. <laughs> and he always prepares us beforehand. Amen. Through a refreshing. Right? He, he doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to succeed. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be, as Miss Tanya ran, read this morning, predestined to be made in the image of his son. He <laughs> wants us to be made in the image of his son. So he's not about failure. He's about molding us and making sure we succeed. Mm -hmm. So he's going to make sure we have what we need to succeed, to make it through that trial, to come out the other side who he wants us to be. But when we get in the midst of the trial, we can't become angry at God, mad at God, frustrated at God, and forget about the favor. Mm -hmm. And many of us, that's what we do. That's what I do. I forget about the favor. And then I find myself in the midst of the trial, trying to do it in my own strength, when God says, I gave you everything you needed before you went into the trial. Wow. I gave you everything you needed. I gave you your resources, the strength, everything you needed, that, that time of rest and peace before this all started. Mm -hmm. Right? All of that. I gave that before, when, before you needed it so that now, you would be ready. Right? <clears throat> what has Jacob said in Psalm 23? Was we suffered, I shall not want. He made me lie down in new pastures, he leave me beside the still waters, stores my soul. Then what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wow. <clears throat> There's preparation and peace and abundance and blessing and comfort. I'm not talking about financial stuff necessarily. I hope you know. We're talking about those intangible things, that rest that God gives us. And if you've, if you've experienced you know what I'm talking about, before you enter into the valley of the shadow of death, because then you will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Right? So as we go in the shadow of death, he gives us the time <coughs> green pastures and beside the steel waters to restore our soul so that we walk into the trial. We can walk into the valley of the shadow of death, still rest. And then when we come out on the other side, he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right? Victory. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Blessing, favor, 
shadow of the valley, shadow, valley of the shadow of death, victory forever and ever. He gives exactly what we need if we'll be obedient when he'll suddenly show up and recognize that he met our need and the suddenly before it ever came. That's amazing to me. So if you're in the midst of trial right now, and you're, 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 you're hurting and you're in pain and it's hard for you to see beyond what's around you and what you're feeling and what you're experiencing and what you're seeing, I, I challenge you to go back and look at the springtime. Look at when you were, you know, in those green pastures. Look at when you had rest. Look at when you had that time of peace and that time of blessing. And then begin to thank God for it. Amen. And honor God for it. See, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, it says what? He's with you. Mm -hmm. You are with me. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm taking him with me through the valley of the shadow of death when I'm praising him for what he did for me in green pastures when I was beside the still waters. Amen. And so I'm, I need to worship him and honor him and praise him and remind myself of what he did at that time to prepare me for this time because I'm looking <coughs> for a future time. His purpose, his plan, a time of victory when I'm going to be and accomplish the purpose that he has for me. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.